Hello and welcome to the podcast Tech Marketing Trends. My name is Jacob Lovenbrat. I'm the Managing Director of Bright Vision as well as the host of this podcast. Today we're going to talk about the topic disrupting the fintech industry and I have with me here today Vicious Mayer, the Director of Engineering Matic, Smile and Founder and CEO of WOW. Welcome to our podcast. We're really happy to have you with us, Bish. Oh, wow. That's absolutely wonderful. It's good to see Sweden through the Zoom today. Yeah, uh, likewise. Good to have you with us from uh, uh, Scotland. So, yeah, we're going to talk about the fintech industry today, which you're, uh, you know, a part of and, and run companies within. But maybe you can just give us a little bit of a rundown on who you are, and what you've been up to so far in your career. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so, as you said, my name is Besh. I'm a CEO of a company called Enigmatic Smile. Um, you know the Mona Lisa? Yeah, she, she has an enigmatic smile um, in English. Yeah? So she has an enigmatic smile. So that's the name of our company. And our, our kind of brand that we're building is single.id, so single ID. And what the idea is, is that we decided to, we understood that there's a lot of different companies trying in the fintech space, trying to reward their customers uh, with bank cards, open banking, all kinds of different ways through payment gateways and card schemes and acquirers and issuers. Um, and there's a bit of a problem when it comes to the actual person paying the reward, which is generally a merchant, um, which is that they can't deduplicate the transaction across all of these different partners. And so that ends up in losing money for the, for the, for the retailer. And so we decided to solve that problem with single ID. And uh, it's a very big problem um, in this space. And we've been, because we've been working in the space, I guess, for, for 10 years now to get to this point. Um, and we are contracted to, you know, some of the biggest companies in the planet, 40 of them who, who provide all sorts of inputs from banks and acquirers and things like this. We thought we could try it and, and, and solve it and really make a massive ecosystem play for anyone, any fintech company out there who has a user base who wants to reward that user base. Um, so that's kind of a little bit about me and my history, really. Awesome. So interesting. And uh, and there's so much going on in the world of fintech these days, and, and there's a lot of disruption going on. And, uh, you know, just like your own company, fintech, you know, tech company taking on <laughs> legacy systems and legacy ways to do things and so forth. Where, where do you see... The fintech industry, if you if you start a little bit on the overall bigger picture, you know, um, do you see a lot of disruption and solutions and technology coming into play today? And um, what do you see in the fintech landscape, uh, you know, and so forth? So I think I think um, financial tech, fintech, yeah, um, in the end is about money, right? It's about it's about the money we have, um, and so that opens up many layers of an onion as to what this, um, what the development path in this whole arena will be. Um, nothing, nothing, uh, I think a lot of our money will move into a decentralized manner, 100%, because that's what uh, people will want. But the entire interface wrapped around that is way too confusing for normal people. Like nobody, nobody can be bothered with all this stuff when I could just use Apple Pay and it just pays in one second. Um, why would I want to have a crypto wallet and start putting in, all kinds of things. But I think that will move into the background of a lot of systems will start moving in a distributed um, uh, a distributed manner. And uh, so we'll start to see the benefits of both the centralized stuff, 
mixing with the blockchain stuff and, and the decentralized stuff across the whole ecosystem. And you can see that starting to happen. And of course, there, when there's that type of change and, and, and that kind of fundamental change in the middle of everything, um, what starts to happen is you start to open up a lot of frictions, a lot of issues, but also a lot of efficiencies that haven't previously been understood or, or are being explored. And I think that specific vector is very interesting for new companies trying to come up with new fintech ideas that make people's lives better mm -hmm. because the bigger companies are moving slowly sometimes they're longer to make decisions they take you know they move very slow so the little guys can come up and form partnerships with the big guys because the big guy's interest is to understand if something works um and the little guys get a chance to get something working and you know potentially sell out to the big guy moving forward depending on the the, the size of their aims so i think um First of all, everything starts moving towards a decentralized way. Um, and I think on, on the next level up from that, we are just going to get more and more and more connected as customers so that we literally we don't have to think about anything here. The more, the more I have to think about, the worse it is. So when I look in my bank app and there's just too many buttons and too many things and too many sections that I just don't understand about and you know, what is this bit? I don't have time to go onto another page to search for something. Um, so I think what's going to happen is all your all your AI and chat GTP stuff and everything's going to kind of create a situation where it's just easier. Everything's easier on every level. The stuff that I want is just there in front of me. Um, so I'd, I'd say those are the two sort of immediate things I could mention, mm. you know? Yeah, how do, you, how do you how do you feel about that? Do you, do you, do you... Yeah, I think it's interesting space. Um, there are a lot of things going on, and and I, I think the incumbent banks are um, going to have you know, a few years down the road, they probably need to <laughs> be careful. So so they uh, adapt to the technologies coming their way these days. So I think there's a lot of things interesting going on in this sector. Why it's so uh, also important space it... for whitefish and as well to to cover and so forth. Yeah, but I think I think that the fundamental thing, just before you ask the, that next question, I think the fundamental thing is, um, when I started speaking there to really answer the question that you previously asked, um, I said that fintech at its base is about money, um, and if you're using the same forms of money in the background, um, then nothing changed. It just it was a veneer, a painting on everything. It was just a painting that appeared on top of everything. Um, but if the the actual way the money is generated in the background and the processes of that value in the background can be thought of differently, then I think that is the real fundamental change. It's the way people perceive money or what money is. For example, you uh, work, you know, presumably like me, and we do a job and we get paid um, and then we go and buy our food and stuff. And then by the end of it, we've got not much money left. So we we need to do the same thing again, and we just keep working and doing our doing our uh, our our life. But we never really stop to think: where did the money come from that we're actually working for on a, on a bigger, wider level? This this lifeblood that's flying through the entire or flowing through the entire system. Where is that? Where is that value originating? Where where does it come from? And when you follow the rabbit hole down, or the you start going up the chain, you find out that. In every country, there's actually a centralized authority which creates the value out of magic and just and just puts it into supply through some mechanisms that make it look like that's not what they're doing. 
And then we just run around working for this stuff that's within the actual system. And I think that fundamentally at the base of all fintech systems, there are those companies that are working to optimize the current ways of doing things. And then there's a whole bunch of other companies who are actually starting to look at the money supply itself and what can be done with that money supply um, to change the world. And what I mean by that is governments have been exploring and many companies have been exploring the idea of UBIs and universal basic incomes just being paid to people because that's where it's going, right? We, we, we're, we're in this strange situation where everything is going to change. I mean, like I, some of the statistics are like 70% of the jobs are just gone. Like if you're a, most of the stuff that we do, I mean, have you tried using these, these AI things? It's like crazy. They can tr write better than me, talk better than me. They, I can even make me, you know, an AI and just go, go to sleep and it'll just do this Zoom call for it. In fact, I, I could be an AI. So all of that stuff that's going on with, with, with AI is going to eliminate so many jobs what's going to happen we, we can't run in the same the same money in the background there's got to be a change and i guess that's the biggest geopolitical acceleration that we're witnessing all around us is to see who gets control of that change yeah um so in the background of things that's happening but overriding that is the fintech world that's uh that's ready and positioning themselves to work with any form of money in the future my biggest worry i guess is that the the money itself is going to eliminate a lot of companies playing with it because once that money is there and it's handled by whoever it's handled, nobody really wants that second layer. If you're the guy in charge of all of that, you might, uh, you, it might be harder in the fintech industry moving forward. Um, uh, if we allow that centralization concept to still stay in control as a mean. So anyway, sorry, on to the next one. I get, no, that's, <laughs> It's a big topic, but very thanks for laying that foundation there. You're an expert in in rewards and loyalty programs within the fintech space, and and you know there's a saying that incentives runs the world, or you know controls how people at least behaves and so forth. Uh, how come you you uh, started this company, and why is rewards uh, loyalty program so important? And uh, yeah, can you, can you talk to us a little bit about why is is that an important part of of uh, getting or uh, keeping clients and customers in different aspects? Yeah, I mean, I think I think everyone knows that you know it's nice to receive a reward or nice nice to, nice to receive something. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, if I walk into your shop and spend a hundred pounds and you give me a bag of gold, I'm going to be pretty excited, right? <laughs> what did you just give me? So then it becomes a question of what is the reward, okay? That most affects somebody and when do we target them, you know, et cetera. But the reason I got involved in rewards and why it's important to my life and my stream of thinking is because it is, the, it is that value, the value that is being created in a distributed manner by a group of merchants um, that ties with all the stuff that I've just been mentioning before. The value that's created out of thin air of a reward discount voucher, whatever, that value that's created um, is essentially running, if it, if it can be harnessed correctly, can provide the same function within local economies and communities as a centralized issuer of currency, except in a decentralized manner where multiple merchants are incentivizing fiat sales by the distribution of a reward currency with, that they all accept within, 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 a, within a community. 
And then that solves another problem, which is the production of extra units of value in a localized way that stimulates an economy locally. Um, so rewards to me are, are fundamentally one of the last ways that this, um, this concept can be not, not say conquered, but, um, but, uh, but played with. So it's always been of interest in, in terms of the kinds of rewards people offer, well, you know, how many rewards cards do you have or different things? Even if you look in your Apple wallets or your Google Play wallet, you've got all these different cards for different things. Mm. I don't even know how much that costs. I don't know if you do, but I have no idea how much that costs. My wife bought it, I presume. Um, I don't know how, I can't even imagine. Was it a pound? Was it two pounds? And was it three pounds in a restaurant? Was it 50p? I don't actually know. And it's the same for a lot of things. How, how do we know? You know, you go to one shop and something's one price and another shop's another price. Um, just because maybe the shop looks nicer or maybe the, the person serving is smarter or dressed better or the carpet's nicer, the, the product's also more expensive. So if the, if, if the product price can change, then there's a big margin there which can be utilized for reward. But in general, that, that margin is being eroded by trying to give stuff away to customers to desperately get them to come back in and shop with you, whether it's a discount or a coupon or a cashback or a, or a point or, a, or free Bitcoins or, or whatever you want to distribute to the customer. It still costs the merchant something. Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and the solutions we're developing cost the merchants nothing because we recognize that they can just create this value out of, out of their own honor of accepting the value back and then circulating it. Very interesting. Uh, <laughs> that was complex. How to, how to offer incentives without needing to pay for them? That's that's a great uh, that's a great way. <laughs> but there's yeah. yeah. So so you actually mean that you will develop a some kind of digital currency that only works for the merchants providing services within the program. And yeah, that's what we're doing everywhere. Yeah. We're doing multiple countries, multiple places. Um, you know, accessing millions of customers, tens of thousands of merchants already, and we're just building it up. But mm. let's take away the concept of digital currency because that takes you into the realm of weirdness, yeah? <laughs> all, we're, all we're talking about is we're, we, we realized $7 trillion every year is basically removed from merchants because they use it as a discount. So across the whole world, $7 trillion is just given away. Like, as in, you walk into your restaurant, you have a nice meal, and the waiter says, you know what, you're a nice guy, Jacob. Have 10% off your bill. You didn't ask for the 10% off your bill, but the waiter was just like trying to make you feel good. You feel good, but that was just 10% of the money they could have had that they just, you know, gave away somehow. And this is happening all over the world with all kinds of coupons or discounts. Just value vaporizes. Um, it used to be in a Groupon where you would pay, you know, $50 and you would get $100 worth of food at the, at, the, at the restaurant. And the restaurant's losing money. Everyone's losing money because that value is vaporized. Mm. So the idea is, can you take that value, digitalize it, tokenize it, and then turn it into a uh, turn it into an existing thing that just keeps moving? Previously vaporized, let's just tokenize it and let it circulate. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and that's how you do it. Like it's it's made out of nothing. But in the same way as if I was Pizza Hut and I give you a ten dollar off coupon or a ten euro off coupon, 
Well, obviously, why does Pizza Hut accept back the $10 off coupon? Because because it's the one that gave it away. So if you could run a ledger to, for, for all the different businesses in the world and say, well, you just give out coupons and you must accept back the same amount of coupons that you distributed. Suddenly, I give away a $10 coupon, accept it back as a $10 discount, and then I can reuse it in the next business. So I didn't suffer a loss. And, and what ends up happening is we just create a new form of liquidity in the middle, which solves a lot of um, a lot of problems for consumers who can now get bigger rewards in more places than they ever could. Solves a lot of problems for merchants because they can now do rewards and keep more of their own margin. And solves a lot of problems for the whole space and uh, the wider economy because there's more value circulating in your local economy. So interesting. And, uh, and um, yeah, it sounds like a smart way to solve it. But for, for the benefits of running a, a program, what is a good loyalty program or reward program? How should it come to play when you see it working as best from a marketeer's or a salesperson's standpoint? So, um, you know, I, I obviously have quite a holistic view, yeah? But let's, um, let's break it down to its most natural place. Uh, generally, you have a seesaw. And on one side of the seesaw, you've got let's say a merchant who, who wants, give me as much money as you can for the products that I have, keep coming back and giving me more and more money. And I don't want to give out any reward. Yeah? And on the other side, you've got a consumer saying, give me as much product as I can for as cheap as possible in the cheapest way possible. And what happens is that seesaw moves around and eventually there's a, there's, there's a market price in the middle. Yeah. Mm. Um, the merchant is always trying to get more customers. Customers always trying to get more rewards. So inevitably, it's a race to the bottom. There's no, there's no third force acting on that on that seesaw. Mm. If there's more and more and more competition online, and we're talking physical businesses, if there's more and more competition online, I can't sell my products and compete with the online store because I've got this, the, the the problem of physical retail. So I lose money. So what what can I do then? If I if I'm losing money, I'm screwed. So all physical businesses are at the mercy of this problematic um, competition with online merchants. And in terms of online merchants, we are in competition with Amazon and whoever else constantly. Mm. Everyone's just eroding everybody's margins. And it's a very tough call. Mm. So how, how could anything be better as a reward program instead of using your own margin than just participating in a network where you can just issue units of value that move around that it doesn't cost you anything? But for me as a consumer, in whichever bank app I'm in or whichever taxi app I'm in or whichever, whichever app I'm in where I've registered my debit card, I can just shop in the business and sort of magic into existence 10 units of value that I can use in the next place. Yep, that's, a, that's kind of a, an interesting thing for me. So if you can create a situation as a merchant where the merchant doesn't have to pay for the reward and you can create a, a situation for the customer where they're getting a reward, even though the merchant didn't pay for it, that's the that's the most the most perfect way to rebalance that seesaw. Now, the next level of the question is is you know why should I reward a customer in the first place? What what is the behavior I want to modify in a customer? And and uh, I don't know if you've seen some reward programs, but some of them are so restricted and so many terms and conditions and so much complication. And you don't know even know how much a point is. I'm speaking to one of the largest um, uh, 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 restaurant booking 
companies in the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And basically they have these points that cost them money because they're the ones who pay for the points. They just have to pay for the point. That's a big problem for them. And it's for banks. They've got millions of dollars on their balance sheets of these points that they're trying to incentivize people with. In India, where we're, we're, we're hammering India at the minute, I mean, in India, all the retailers across the whole of India, if you approach them and say, would you like to fund an offer? Their first response is, no, the banks are funding the offers. So what, what, what do you want to pay us so that we allow you to have an offer on, on, a, on your card or on, on your website? And it, the whole thing just is, is like getting mixed up. And who's, the, who's providing the incentive here anywhere? So inevitably, I think that the best solution is let the retailer create value out of nothing and, uh, and deliver it in a way which is easy for consumers to understand. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, sure. That's great. And I think uh, it's, it's very interesting because, um, yeah, for many reasons, it's, it's, um, it's of course, um, hard to, to know how to construct this and, and so forth. But, uh, we have clients in the B2B space and, and everybody, especially these days now when the economy is a little bit, you know, is it going up or down or, or just, uh, <laughs> staying at the same level for a while. Uh, but, but from our client perspective, I think we see an increasing interest in, in reducing churn and, and focusing more on the existing client base and keeping clients more happy and try to serve them better and, and, and things. So do you see any possibilities from a B2B perspective to use reward systems or, or things like that the B2C, B2C space have been exploring for many years now and, and you know, you're representing the next generation of solutions for, for some of the case, but have you any B2B cases that you could um, uh, tell us about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, that's in fact uh, the most critical element within the supply chain that needs to be looked at. I, actually, we're we're looking at from the cow all the way through its production cycle to the supermarket, where at every level, because currency or a reward. If we're talking about this units of value, we're talking about it. It needs to be freed like a currency. It doesn't want to stop. It wants to be able to move um, through through the whole system in every way. And that creates efficiencies for the B2B networks that have never been done before, especially when married with fintech solutions and, 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 and monitoring your SKUs as your consumers are using credit cards and debit cards to buy them, monitoring that whole chain of what's going on. But um, if you look at, uh, you know, so, so for example, we run one of the card schemes. So what we, we're, we're sort of a group of companies now. And one of the companies uh, runs the B2B business cards for their entire scheme across the UK and, and, and America. Um, and so all the offers on those cards come through our groups yeah, of, 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 of participants. In fact, one of the other companies within our group handles now 90% of all offers in the UK on credit cards and debit cards. So this is not a, 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 a small statement that I'm making with stuff we actually, under, we actually do every day, even though I may be the guy with the beard speaking to you who's, you know, a bit out there. Um, the, the, the point is that B2B deals with a retailer who's then, or generally retailer, who's then dealing with a consumer at the other end. That cycle can go further to the manufacturer. And if a rewards can be generated at all levels, and that reward cycles back from the consumer into the retailer up to the, up to the B2C company, the B2C company rewards the retailer who then has the power to reward their customer 
and the customer comes back to the retailer and back up the chain. Not just in terms of, um, not just in terms, I mean, imagine the amount of brands like Unilever and and, uh, and Coca-Cola, et cetera, who are giving out coupons on the bottom of uh, bottles. They've got no direct consumer relationship, no ability to understand what's happening with their consumers and operating a solution which is holistic down the, the entire supply chain linked to credit cards and debit cards now provides them with a direct relationship with that customer at, at the end game. Um, it is it is the currency itself that allows for the B2B partners to command market share faster than anything else. Because what else is a B2B guy going to do? Uh, let's say I'm se I could be selling a mobile phone, I could be selling a subscription service, anything, whatever I'm selling. Well, if I turn around to you and go, sign up for this subscription and I give you an, an, a point for an airline. Oh, that's nice. Thanks to, thanks to that. That's good. But did it, re it doesn't really, it's not really clear yet in my head what that value is yet. I can't figure it out properly in my, in my mind. But if I can suddenly come back to you and I said, tell you what, natural old school way, I'll, I'll give you 10% off if you buy 100,000 today. That, that's a deal. You do a deal and you're happy. It's a, it's a close. I'm using it as a close. So when you start merging closing tools with rewards, that's where you get into, into an interesting space for, for, for B2B. Because you, you now come to me, okay, buy 100,000 off me and I'll give you 10% back in V euros right now. So now I take in the whole 100 grand into me, you still get 10, 10 grand back no capital gains, no no tax on it because it's just discount voucher that you can go and spend in another retailer. So you can go and buy your shopping or whatever. But mm. for the actual sale, I take in the whole value, issue you some value back. And the only thing I'm on the hook for is somebody else can come back and get a 10% discount in future. So that works on every level of business. But if you take it down its, its next level and you think, that you, I'm the B2B company, you are my retailer. When you come in and you do the deal and I give you a bunch of these V euros, uh, I give you the 10,000 euros, let's say, of value. Now what happens is you can offer 5% reward to your customers at no cost to you. So you're driving those customers by using the 10,000 I just gave you on your customers. Your customers then come back to you and you can discount your future bill with me by 10%. So from, from a, a B2B perspective on that supply chain, I've taken a situation where I did a 10% discount on one sale and I've turned it into a 5% discount across two sales. So I've been already in that level of thinking. I'm 50% up in terms of my, uh, my cost and, uh, you know, of rewards. But it's more fundamental and it goes into more dimensions. But just to say that B2C is a big, there's too many big opportunities in that, in that field for getting this right maybe more than retailers in some respects. So interesting. Yeah, and, th and this is an area where I think a lot of B2B companies are, are quite novice or, or haven't really tried it at all. And, and I think we, we can all see that it's an interesting journey we can learn from B2C and, and the loyalty programs, as you say, that we all have in our wallets and so forth. So for, for a B2B marketeer or a salesperson, or sales manager who, who, you know, wants to look into this and so forth. What do you think are the best first steps to start exploring this space and, and you know, start um, thinking about the program? Where where should they start? And 
What's you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not the most political guy in the world. Like I just say, come to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> why Absolutely. not? Um, yeah, why not? So seriously, look around, think about um, what is the best way to motivate your customers to buy more from you. And that is almost when you when you start analyzing it, whatever you're being offered that doesn't include the currency element in the background creates one issue, which is what you're doing is you're just giving yourself a short-term benefit in, in that chain. It just stops the minute you give the benefit away. But if you can think more holistically and get involved with all the companies that we're handling now um, or just look into this kind of stuff that's going on, what you find is if you can reward a retailer who's then rewarding a customer and bring that whole chain into uh, into a loop, yeah, that's where efficiencies of data come into play. Uh, you know, you can model your SKU levels as they go through the, the supply chains, everything. That's awesome. This is so interesting. And... Uh... Yeah, I know you're a busy guy uh, and um, need to run your company as well. So thank you so much for your time, Bish. This was really interesting and educational for many of us, especially also primarily from B2B space and, and have got good ideas on how to apply these uh, concepts also to our sales and marketing and loyalty programs and things like that. So thank you so much. And uh, hey, listen, thank you very much, Jakub, for the opportunity every chance to get the word out matters and you know you putting in the effort every day to speaking to people and allowing little me to come in and say some few words <laughs> I, I thank you for that appreciate it absolutely thank you so much